Welcome to the Ether. Today is Saturday, January 7th, 2023. Today on the Ether, in the spotlight with Pime, growth hacking as a service. Hosted by Chev from Omniflix Network. Let's take a listen. We have Bilal with us and send you the invite. Hey, glad to have you here, Bilal. Uh, great work over the last few days. Uh, by the way, this is Sisla. Uh, yeah, posting. Uh, yeah. I've had a chat with you before. I recognize the voice. How's life going? Um, yeah, I think we should wait a bit. Maybe we'll give everyone a chance to join in. That was a bit unfortunate. Yeah, that was very yeah. unfortunate. Um, we'll hopefully get everybody back here very, relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, thanks a lot for all the support and everything. For It's kind of like we thought that we were crazy and we're like always online and we're doing shit. And I'm like, okay. The other day, I think, I'm not sure, last week or something, I put in a message, I'm like, okay, at this point, probably, like, Chev is probably asleep, and I can just send in a message, and it'll be fine, I can check it in, in an hour, and that was my expectation, and then I go and check my telegram in an hour, and I already have a response, like, in two minutes from sending it, I was like, damn, okay, got to work on how I check my telegram faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we have, you know, I'm... I'm out of Asia. Ken is uh, in the US. So we have that diversity that yeah. makes it look like we are operating 24 7. Yeah. We're, uh, we're but yeah, honestly, the, right the feeling is mutual. You know, we thought we were crazy. <laughs> and then we saw you guys operate. You know, it inspires all around. And especially in Web3, where we take inspiration from most things happening around us. You know, this is, uh, you know, this is a delight. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise. Yep, Ken, I think you can go ahead. We've shared details about the space yeah. on Telegram and everywhere. Yeah. yeah, I think we're good. Thank you, Cecil. And sorry uh, again for that, everybody. We um, had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. Uh, you got to watch out for those notifications that come from other Twitter handles on your phone when you're hosting a Twitter space. Uh, so, yeah, let's go back to where we were. You were explaining how uh, Pime was not a marketing platform when it first launched. It was, uh, it was more of a, like a, a hiring platform, in a sense, he said. Uh, can you yeah. uh, continue on that? Yeah, absolutely. So we were building a hiring platform, so decentralized work management entirely. You could hire anyone as kind of like on a contract-to-contract basis, everything on chain. All the funds would sit in escrow with milestones. And they would automatically resolve with like reviews and everything built in process. Um, it was pretty cool for when we started it. Um, but over over the time, over time as it went by, we realized that it's actually not a problem that companies are looking to solve right now. Uh, we amassed a lot of users who actually did care about getting jobs. And slowly, kind of along this entire process, Pime was still acquiring a lot more of people interested in decentralized work or hiring. And we built our own marketing strategies around it. 
So we went from pretty much having no users and no recognition in the space to how do we have some and how do we have more and how do we have more. Um, and yeah, there was a tipping point where companies actually started asking us to help them understand marketing, but they wouldn't have under they wouldn't have jobs or anything they wanted to post. So like okay. And at one point, the, the scale is a step. We were like, okay, fine. We, we need to make the transition. So we did. We started offering marketing services as a platform. And after some time, the other plat the, the work management side was sunset. And Pine became this marketing platform as you know it today. Wow. So I'm, I'm guessing you're pretty happy that you went that route. I am really happy. I, I, think, it was, uh, I think it was pretty painful trying to fight companies way bigger than you to get them to come and hire on your platform because that actually gives them a lot more Web3 developers. Like it was, it was a whole debate and argument phase of mine where I've learned, okay, the customer's always right. Maybe we're not, we're maybe too early. Maybe there's something else. And I think, uh, yeah, I think everything is too early still. But I think for that idea and implementation with no regulations around and all the, all the shady ways you need to then tax it because of regulations not being there. Yeah, I think that was a bit too early. Well, on top of that too, there's so much more competition in that space as well. Um, it, would, it would probably have been a little bit more difficult to penetrate through the, you know, through the clutter in the market, uh, just from so many, like, you know, people are used to using centralized uh, solutions for that. But in terms of what you guys are doing, you know, you have maybe like Gleam and you have, um, you know, a few other platforms that uh, do it in, in a, do, do part of what you do, but there's nobody that does the totality of what you guys do. Yeah, I think that that's, that's really fair. That, that was, I don't think we ever thought of that because uh, again, we had a vision of what we were building. I think that was kind of like the entrepreneur's blindness kind of thing of saying, just like seeing what best you offer and not thinking about the competition until too far ahead. But yeah, that's spot on. That is one of the bigger things that now when I look back and like, okay, that was a good decision. That was a good call. No, I'm sure. And I mean, the way that you guys do it is, um, you know, what would you say is the biggest difference between you and say crew three? Um, I think we're hands-on is the, is the thing. I think everyone in the space is building phenomenal. Even our competitors, I think they're doing so much right. So kudos to every one of them. But I think the, the biggest edge we've had for, for a while, and we certainly continue to do so, is uh, marketing is not a plug-and-play solution to anyone. I think it needs to be customizable enough for each and every person, each and every entity. It, there is a lot of human element to it, and you just can't script it up. There's no way to script all of it up. I think the, the most, the best of success that we see is working very closely with our partners and that's what puts us ahead of the curve. Yeah. And we definitely, um, we, we definitely have the same philosophy there. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy to me how, when I saw how you guys operate, you know, it, it gave me like deja vu almost of when I first started working here where I saw how we you know how we handle uh, the communities that we work with and the partners that we work with. And that's why, you know, it's very rare that you ever hear somebody say something negative about us. And I think you guys are going to have the same, uh, the same track where, you know, you're, it's going to be really hard to find somebody to say something bad about you guys. Yeah. I think, I think we strive for that. I think we strive to how, how do you deliver the best of value? Again, marketing in, in many essence, it's, it's actually touching the person more than whatever they have to offer. It's more about how do you go and touch that person, right? And you're going to take some value out of a user or a company or an organization. I, I don't think you can bring value until, unless you can actually provide genuine service where you feel selfless and what you're asking for from someone or what you're asking in terms of either monetary or time or attention or whatever it is, 
it doesn't feel like someone has to go out of their way to do it. It just feels intuitive because of what they get back. And that's kind of kind of the philosophy with which I run at least. And I know a lot of my team have even better philosophies on this. So what do you, uh, I, I was going to ask, you know, what, the, what do you think the key to your success so far uh, has been? Um, but have you guys raised any, any funding or have you guys been bootstrapping? Uh, so pretty early on in time, we did. So that was kind of in a small angels round, friends and family. Uh, but that's about it. After that, we've been bootstrapping it. We bootstrapped it at the beginning. And after that time has a few NFT collections that we've come out with, which the community was very much involved with. And they've helped us take that and accelerate time to the next level. That's, that's been how we've been in revenue for so long. And now certainly Prime has the, the vision of going towards a token and everything else coming up in, in 2023. So that's going to be the strategy going forward. Um, so I, I was, I wanted to ask you something, but I don't know if it's um, something that's okay to ask publicly. So you guys are making a transition at some point in the next few months here. Is that something that you want to talk about or, um, or would you rather not talk about that? I think we're kind of still figuring it out, but yeah, shoot your question and it might be, I might have the answer or I still just might tell you what are my thoughts on it. Yeah. Fair. Um, I, I, I think Simon had mentioned that you guys are considering moving towards uh, being a protocol. Um, what changes would that uh, mean for the platform if you do go that route? And um, you know, where, how, do you, and how did you come to that decision? That's interesting. Yeah, uh, there's, a mo- there's a lot of things that are involved in the decision. I think uh, the biggest of all is time always from the beginning to now. Uh, even if you see across our transitions of light papers, it's always been the end goal is how does this become permissionless and available to all. Um, I think what we're building right now as today, how we are today and how we as a team have to do everything and build on top, I don't think that's scalable for the next 10, 20 years in Web3. We want to we wanna get to that space. That's why we want to go at it. So how do you create that base core tooling that anyone like Omniflex or communities elsewhere can start building a lot of their products on top of? How can we become a composable layer in marketing for everyone? Um, So that's really how this started. The the route to go down to protocol is really interesting. Interesting from the fact that I think it makes it very transparent, very open. Uh, The direction that everyone will end up taking up will be really really diverse. We also get to expand really fast doing that. So it's always been from that. How do you expand the vision? I think there's been no other concern on why we would go down the protocol route. It just made sense to do it as a protocol because then you have the community that can help you build instead of just a core team. You can have the community that can help expand and you have the community that directly takes action and direction and everyone else can choose to build on top and build some of the best product. Fair enough. Um, Stissa, you might be a good person to um, to share an experience on this as well. How did Omniflex decide to become a protocol as opposed to just being a uh you know, uh, just a, me- a media publishing company. Yeah. Um, you know, as Bilal also mentioned, we wanted to do what we were doing. We were already solving a few problems uh, in a Web2 context with respect to media, media tech, uh, managing of IP and assets. But uh, we wanted to take that permissionless first and uh, eventually be able to, you know, enable access for any anyone. No, so that it becomes a level playing field. End of the day, not only the big studios or organizations should have access to these tools, 
but anyone that might have any intent or interest to utilize media or uh, engender their ip for their growth uh, should have access to these tools that was the vision and that's one of the reasons why you know we chose to become a protocol as well so yeah bilal i have a question for you uh, considering the technology side and the technical perspective so when i look at prime right now i see activities i see what can turn into a protocol uh, in being able to configure curate these activities in being able to manage the data so eventually the interactions the age of interactions you know all of these mm-hmm. become a users or they help in determining a users or an accounts persona if i can yeah. say that so you know as soon as you know i connect my account my persona is determined you know campaigns are tailor made mm-hmm. the feed is element to me these are things that i can envision so in future do you see a case where my data is my own you know is it federated is does it operate in a federated context as in can i offer my data to the protocol or choose not to offer it to anyone does that uh, if that makes sense yeah it does uh, i think uh, i think the biggest challenge and i i think about this a lot nowadays especially with how we're working on a white paper to put out to the community on what does the protocol look like what are the benefits and what are the cons again protocols are not perfect in the end of the day so i think putting it forward to everyone and having everyone come through with us on the journey is something very important and dear to us um and certainly within the next following weeks we'll be we'll be talking a lot on this um from what you said i think that is that is the way it happens it is always going to be users owning their own data users choosing to bring it within the protocol um and as not just taking it out of anywhere it's users who will choose to connect to the protocol and give their data points and they can always choose to leave the protocol that's that's how we're structuring it to be where you have a protocol layer and then the data layer lives a bit a bit away from it it's not a core essence of the protocol itself that kind of at least today that's how i can envision it i think i also believe we can as a community and as a core team build it out where the data layer is not so entangled with it but the protocol is more as a tooling layer it's supposed to be a tooling layer so over time you can make different changes you can build a lot more of product but also from a composable standpoint right you want that you want the protocol layer to have as less of lockins as possible so you can build even better products on top so i hope i answered your question yeah definitely uh, given insight into what your thoughts are on the protocol and Have you intend to shape it? Uh, very excited for that. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a challenge. Not going to lie, I I I don't see it happening as a snap of a finger or anything. It's going to be a definite kick in the ass. But yeah, we're we're willing to take it. Yep. Uh, chef. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, I was typing something to you. Um. Yes. Let's carry on. So. Now, if you could, uh, Bilal, if you could kind of uh, take us to, uh, you know, a creator uh, on the platform, uh, what's the what's the like the uh, next steps? If I want to, if I want to, if I open my account, I verify my, uh, you know, my wallet address, and you know, sign that verification transaction. What's the process looking like for me to get started launching a campaign with Pime? Uh, the process is pretty. It's pretty straightforward. You have the ability to go to a campaign builder, and start choosing a bunch of different toggles that we have. Um, as a team, we're actually pushing a lot more every every week into it. 
uh, I wanted to say every day, but then I know my team's going to kill me and someone's going to pull this recording and be like, why did you say it day? I'm like, yeah, not a day. We're, we're on, on a weekly basis, we're trying to push a lot more into it. Um, but I think the biggest thing in that also is considering the fact that time is just a tool. It's, it's, it's supposed to be always used as a tool um, for creators. We can give them a lot of exposure to it. We can give them a lot of, um, we can make the effortless sides of how do you get in front of an audience? But even in the end, when you want a conversion out of it, it always comes from what value does the creator put to the table for the users coming in or the users they want to bring on board. And the value again then depends on the action. Um, I think we've had a long conversation on this at one point, Ken, on how, how the community in, in general overall as a group can decide what value it becomes just from is it worth the time and effort into a campaign or not. But yeah, a, a creator can come on board. They can sign up for an account with us. Uh, as soon as it's verified, they have the ability to go and start launching quests. Um, and in terms of quests, they can choose to even give away some fine points. Or if they want, they can actually even do NFTs or they could even do tokens. That's entirely on their choice uh, of what, they, what they're comfortable with, what they feel is best aligned in, in terms of incentives for the community for completing a set of actions. So now when you go and create the, uh, the campaign, you basically have, uh, it's like all or nothing. So you create four tasks, you assign a reward to those tasks, and they have to complete all of those tasks to get the reward. But from, yes. you know, from what I've seen, though, it seems like people are pretty, um, you know, the, the completion percentage of people that start and finish is pretty high. So you can, you know, it's like not bots that are on there and you know, it's, it's real legitimate people. Um, because if it was bots, everyone would finish it. And if it was, um, you know, anything other than real people, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have the, because uh, immediately we saw increased engagement in our uh, discord and in our telegram chats with people joining in there um, and saying hello and, uh, you know, asking questions about the community. So, it's it's really impressive what you guys have built and the when did you guys pivot from the initial concept to the marketing concept well like how long ago was that um yeah that was kind of about i would say close to end of june first week july to be fair that's that's oh, last the year? transition yeah last year yeah Jesus, wow, your uh, your younger brother really is a uh, project. <laughs> no, he's uh, he he's really good, but he's really good on coding and what he can deliver. I think that's that's one of the core superpowers. But also, we're not just a three person team. We've got we've got about fifteen people now, so we're a very decent sized team to be able to pull these things off. But certainly, all credit to him. Very due. Um, but also, on the other hand, we we have this internal or entire chat. So all of our the all of our team use Slack and we have a literal channel which is called Whack-A-Mole with a bot symbol next to it. And that just started from how during our early days when we started doing all of this, uh, we certainly realized that there's a lot of bots and there were, at, especially during the start when we were a marketing, not even marketing platform, I would say this is right after Build Space. We did this one free NFT drop, which was for everyone. Anyone could just come in and claim an NFT. And some of the OGs here might even know that from if they're, if they're on Pine, which was a Candy Skull access pass. And this went really well for a few days. 
until one day we woke up and pretty much we were drowning with the amount of users joining in and the stress and the load on our systems. We were like, what the hell is happening? So yeah, it was, it was kind of really annoying. And since then, we've started playing a game of whack-a-mole. So we've kind of built a few verification systems in-house, um, some of them publicly known, some of them under the covers on how do you determine what's a user and what's a bot and how do you keep improving on them. So yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to see that it works and you're happy with it. Yeah, we really are. Um, now, when, you, um, when you're onboarding communities into the platform, uh, like what, what from that stemmed the, or the addition of the feature, like to make yourself as the product hunt of Web3, essentially, uh, where mm-hmm. people can now vote on projects also, and they went in voting on those projects are transferring pine points over them, which have financial value. Um, so how do you get the community members to give away their money to projects by voting? Uh, how do you, how did you do that? Uh, so I think we've realized over time, like, so Pime and the, the concept of marketing and all of this really starts from one of the core things, right? When we, when we were building Pime, marketing was very hard for us. Getting in, and the, the core parts were your traditional Web2 marketing does not transition across to Web3. Um, traditional platforms also do not love users leaving there from general ads or whatever it might be towards these what how we personify them as the, the web two killers that's always been a tradition as well right there's a lot of people who don't think it's going to be the next generation of the internet but like it's going to kill how to modern social media works well it's all going to stay um massive tangent but what um what really that started from was we understood that the biggest challenge to, or the first step the biggest challenge is how do you even get seen in front of users how do you get seen in front of an audience to even be how does the world even know you exist? And that's where we really dig down into it. And we were like, okay, discovery is the answer to it. And that's where we started it from. And the, the principle is very simple, which we've started with it is any community can join in for free. There's nothing they need to pay on it. There's nothing that we charge them for it. And they can just come list themselves up on discovery and they can then be seen across our entire ecosystem. It's on our campaigns. It may even be across on just our homepage. Wherever we can, we list all of these companies in different forms. Um, just the alpha that we're actually going to be doing some work on the UI to make discovery a lot better. And yeah, by listing on discovery, users, as you said, have the ability to support the projects they like. If, if they like a project and they would love to see them having campaigns on time, they're more than free to give them fine points. So they just want to support them being top on the leaderboard. They can support them with fine points and any fine points that are given are given directly to these projects uh, as of today. Like there's nothing that we're keeping on it or anything. They can choose to use them if they want. And there's also certainly a lot more things that we are bringing in for the users in value. So I'm not going to share much, but we're, we're, we're bringing out discovery rewards, which will allow all these users who've actually given out or voted with their fine points some generic and some value back from those projects as soon as the projects want to actually start giving value back. And this will be launched pretty soon. Wow, that's, that's incredible. So it's basically like a, almost like a de facto fundraising platform almost for, uh, in, in terms of the discovery side. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think as we scale, that, that's certainly one of the things. It could, like, I think someone on our community AMA the other day said, and this is kind of what we envision in the future, 
that it becomes like a roadmap for projects to a launchpad, which is completely owned and funded by their own communities and how they help them grow. So that's certainly possible. But let's that's see how the space expands. Yeah, that, that's really smart. I mean, to have basically a decentralized uh, in, investment arm from your own community uh, or, you know, the community that supports you, that's got to that's gotta feel good as a creator to, or as a, you know, as a project uh, creator to build something and then have have people like it so much that they'll actually put their own money into it so that you can go ahead and continue building it and growing it. Yeah, I think even if you take aside the money side of it, if you take aside the direct financial incentive of it, especially till the till the time we have a token that that really starts tying all of it together, just the ability for a company or a project or a creator coming on board and being supported in time points, which they can then give back, is one of the biggest things ever. Like if um, and I, I tell this all the time, it's like if. I wasn't building Pine and I was doing something else and I got listed on Pine and someone gave me a hundred points for some reason, I'd actually double down and start doing campaigns just because someone is giving me attention there. It's a platform where I'm gaining traction. It's a platform where I'm being seen. Uh, I think that would, that would have certainly been such a massive help when we were doing the work management platform at the very beginning of having somewhere like that. So yeah, I think there's massive value for every, every like project creator or every content creator or even community who's coming on board, who can actually connect to the day-to-day -day audience on our platform and certainly in the future over the entire ecosystem. So, and so today's January 7th of 2023. Where were you on January 7th of 2022? And uh, what was your, your modus operandi at that point? Um, and if you were at that point and someone told you that you'd be where you are now with the project, what would you have said? Um, January 7th, 2022, I would assume I'd be in the office. Um, it is, yeah, definitely I would be in the office and we would be building all of what we have right now, or especially like what we envisioned time to be that back then. Um, I had, so not just me, but me and all of us, all of us co-founders had just about left our previous commitment and job to start working on time. Um, in a year's time, I would not have imagined where we are. I think this is a massive, it's a, it's a massive blessing in how, how and where we've come across. I think if someone told me we'd be here, I would, uh, I would genuinely be in shock and I would probably tell them to like, stop kidding around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. And, and really you've done it in half a year because, you know, like you said, you, you had a different, completely different concept back in the first half of last year. So that, that's, I can only imagine what you guys will do with the full year. Yeah, I think we're very excited to see that. I think, uh, I think certainly this is, this is really just, we're seeing the fruits of it come back. We're seeing what, what all it can do. I think, uh, I think more than anything, what really excites us is how we see projects that we've played a massive role in take off and become into go or go start fundraising or go start launching their own secondary collections or whatever it might be. I, I think it's always a really proud moment for all of us that we've played a really massive part. And it's, it's one of the biggest driving force really on how do, you, how do you create that value? How do you create that value? And that value is more in the delivery of it, not in the money or anything else. All of those things are very important, but the core principle is how do we help everyone else succeed in space? What would you say is the, uh, I'm, I'm going to assume, I, I have a guess of what your answer is going to be, but what would you say is the secret sauce for your project? 
like what um well, I guess I kind of asked you that already in terms of what is the difference between you and other projects like yours. But if there's like one aspect of one component of the project itself, take the team out, out of it. What would you say is the, the most special piece of Pime today? Um, I think it would be if you take the team out of it. So that means that you're, you're kind of putting me on the spot there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it would be just the fact that what we're chasing is a lot of selfless delivery and not as a team. I think as time in itself, what we want to build, if it's about our community, it's always been selfless. I think if it's about the team itself and how we operate within, it's always selfless. I think that's the, that's the one key tenant that really helped us grow to where we are, where every time I'm having a conversation, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a big contributor or a small project or whoever it may be. It always is great you're supporting us you're helping us or you've been talking to us or you want to use us whatever it may be how do we bring insane value back so and that's transition across i think no one's ever been across the team or even from it's like kind of an unsaid principle i would say and in certainly in ways so even before like you remember at, at a point uh can we were having this conversation where time was an absolute free platform where we didn't charge anything we're like do whatever, we'll help you do whatever you want. 100% every day. It was, it's always been the selflessness part. It, I think that's the, that's the key success of everything, minus the team and the pace and everything else. Yeah, I, I, would, have to, I, would, have, I would agree with you. And I, I mean, when you do that, it kind of, it, it's like a double-edged sword because then you have people that, you know, they just try to you know, take what they can and then they're gone. And, but then you have other people that really see the value in what you're uh, creating and are more than happy to pay for it once they see the results that are um, you know, given. I'm sure you have plenty of people that come in and take a free campaign and then you don't hear from them again. But I'm sure you have quite a few more people that come back and continue to uh, publish campaigns on there once they see the results of it. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think both, both, both cases certainly do exist on time. Um... But I think we've never seen that as a negative. I think it's always a positive. There's so much we've learned from every single campaign that's led us to where we are today, and we certainly keep doing so. Where even if they don't come back for a second campaign for any reason, we learn a lot of lessons along the way for, and it's all worth it in that case. Because then the next campaign gets even better, and the next is even better, and the next is even better. So yeah, thanks to all of them. I, I would really say that, yeah. So let's pretend that I'm a new creator on the platform. What would you say would be the uh, your best advice and like a couple of pro tips uh, so, to make sure that I get my campaign off, uh, you know, in a, in a positive direction? Um, yeah, I think uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think this is certainly one of the biggest times that I spend on phone calls as well, and especially with people who are very interested in creating their very first campaigns. Um, my pro tips would be one realize what your output is what do you want in the end out of a user great let's take this as an example where you're a content creator uh you would like people to go and buy your nfts great that's your end goal now keep walking back into all and everything that needs to happen for it um and be very selfless in the entire process uh, a user needs to see genuine value in what you are offering for them to go out and invest in you. And that investment might just be half half a dollar. It doesn't have to, or it might be a million dollars. The point isn't the monetary of it. it. The point is 
someone has to go out of their way to invest and support you. So really be very conscious of that. I would always start slow. I would always start off with something like, like how we do traditional sales funnels from top of funnel to bottom of funnel. Where top of funnel, I would really encourage every creator to go out and first build awareness about themselves in the space and be selfless and playful with it. Um, think of everything that you're doing on these campaigns as more of your traditional awareness marketing spend if you want to do that. But think of it as a way, how do you first create your awareness? How do you then provide your value? And then at the very end, how do you have users come back and provide you value? If, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's how I would do it. I would try to keep my campaign simple. I would try to keep my campaigns very focused signing up and buying my NFTs or joining my platform or going and subscribing to my channels, things of that sort. That's very, I think that's very good advice, especially Again, you're considering the just, end goal uh, to be something of immense value conversion and all the things beforehand would be small steps that you want to take your community and your followers through. Yeah. And I, I think as a person that has just gone through and created our first couple of campaigns, like that's, um, you know, that's definitely the, the guidance that you gave me and uh, the rest of the team. Uh, and we've seen that, you know, translate into significant growth very quickly are on our social platforms. Yeah. Uh, are you able to hear me? Uh, Cecil, can you hear me? I can hear you both. Yeah, Bilal, you're, you're not, are you not able to hear me, Bilal? Maybe. Hey, Bilal, can you hear us? Yeah, absolutely. I can hear you now. Are you able to hear me as well? Yep, I can. Did I lose you guys oh. or something? Yeah, I guess uh, I guess maybe you got uh, momentarily rugged, but um, but we're back. Yeah, that's a bit weird. I think I lost you again. I'm finally back. Sorry, I think I think something's yeah. wrong with the internet or something. I I'm finally in and I can listen. So sorry, apologies. Beautiful, no problem. Not a, not a problem at all. Um, and I think really quickly, um, we'll open it up to the community and see if anybody else has any questions for you. Um, and then I have a couple more questions for you to, to wrap up, but Manny, uh, feel free to ask your question. Anybody else that has a question for Blal, uh, just request to speak and I'll bring you right up to the stage. But Manny, go ahead, please. First, I would like to appreciate uh, Bilal for the amazing platform Pine. So, and uh, especially first, the, the front end and website is very, very, very good. It's very easy to understand. It's very easy to organize your community. And even I see some of the some of the campaigns which says that uh, I mean, whoever wants the NFT can participate in the campaign, and uh, people can connect with the MetaMask MetaMask wallet, and everything is good. But like, uh, uh, I want to ask about. Uh, when when are, when are we just planning to integrate Kepler, like which is a Cosmos ecosystem we've entirely based on, and and other blockchains as we go? Um, yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Firstly, thanks, Mani, really appreciate it. Uh, there's so many more updates that we're bringing out on the UI certainly in January, which are gonna make which is gonna make this entire experience even better. Uh, there's tons of rooms for improvement, and we've realized it with the community feedback over time. Um, secondly, just, uh, we haven't announced it yet, but so the team and I just finished this about an hour ago, maybe a, a bit lesser than that, but Kepler is actually available as a connection now. So if you log into Pime and go to your connections page and go towards wallets, you'd be able to find Kepler 
and Kepler is available, that's certainly the first steps that we've taken towards integrating into the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, but there's tons of tons of things we're going to be doing in the in the week and the weeks to come, where we can allow a lot more of transactional related like transactional related checks and a lot more other verifications and how we pretty much take all the things that we have currently on our Polygon or Ethereum based systems also into Cosmos. So yeah, it's all in the works. We've been working on it with the the, the team here at Omniflix for a while. And yeah, we're slowly bringing all of it live. Yeah, th th thank you, by the way, for getting that uh, integrated for us. Um, you know, and we, I, I imagine you'll have, after this, quite a few uh, Cosmos communities knocking on your door to, uh, to get onboarded as well. So um, you know, definitely looking forward to that for you guys and for our community as well. Um, so what are some of the things that you'll be able to do with um, with regards to transactions? Is that something that you uh, uh, are comfortable getting into now or not yet? Um, yeah, absolutely. We can we can we can dig into it. So the first thing, the the thing we rolled out today is just how do we get wallets in, into it? How do you just get that data point in? And certainly some of the next things as I think at one point I even had this demo i shared with you i believe where you were actually able to check for balances you were able to check for transaction of a specific met like from a specific contract or a specific wallet um and also just in general checking in on someone holding nfts from a certain collection now i can't give a hard deadline on when those go live but we're kind of transitioning across from those being in our previous code base and previous version of pime to bringing that on board. We made a lot of changes when we launched the new rebrand. So just to make sure that they're still scaling across, they're still testing out well. So that's gonna be a bit of a time-taking process, not too long, but certainly in the very near future, you're gonna see those being in as well. Um, yeah, in the days to come, hopefully. That is very exciting. That is, in, in, that is indeed very exciting. Um, and let me see if anybody else is up here. Uh, chronic, uh, chronic cats. Would you like to uh, ask your questions? Well, I was going to ask about the chain and everything that just got answered. Um, that's pretty pretty exciting to see what you guys have got going on. I've, uh, for unfortunately, been kind of stuck in just the ETH ecosystem, and most recently been trying to branch out. And this is a uh, really interesting to see what all what all's going on with with this. So appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. No, like very really excited to be branching out as well. Um, yeah, the branching out certainly started off after we decided we want to go really agnostic. We, let's, let's break away the shackles of just being into EVM. Again, I'm very, like, if, you, if you've been following me around in the past, you'd realize I'm, I'm very pro EVM for how easy and how resourceful it is to work on the EVM today. But I'm so excited for how do we just as a platform get pretty much every chain that we have people and companies who really want to build on to have support for Pime. And yeah, so we're, we're taking our steps there. Cosmos, would, the Cosmos ecosystem and all would be the very first to benefit from it. Oh yeah, I agree. You know, it's, that's, I think that's the biggest, biggest goal for the majority of us out there building is how can we extend not just through all EVM, but you know, the entire quote unquote blockchain as a, as a ecosystem worldwide. So I definitely understand. It's really awesome to see what you guys are doing. So. Yeah, thanks for that. Really appreciate your help, like your support and everything. And uh, just so everybody's aware, and maybe this will incentivize people to hop up here, 
um, the best five questions for Bilal um, will re will receive whitelist access to Kurt Schilling's uh, NFT collection for ALS that will be launching on Omniflix Market next month. Um, so the f best five questions that get asked, you'll get exclusive whitelist access, which means a discounted price on the NFTs, uh, which you will not want to miss. And you're going to be minting for hope and minting for a cure or um, treatment for ALS, which is a terrifying and just absolutely awful way to die. And right now there's no cure for it. There's really no treatment for it. Uh, it's pretty much a, you know, it's a death sentence where your muscles are deteriorating within your body as you're sitting there. And it is not a pleasant way to go. Um, I can imagine. So definitely if you um, are interested in minting and being a part of that, uh, of that community, uh, come up and ask a question. You'll, you'll have a discounted access to that uh, NFT collection from MLB legend, Kurt Schilling uh, next month. And in the meantime, while people get the um, courage to come up and ask you the question, since you're so intimidating, I will uh, fill that void and ask you a, a couple of uh, the other questions that I had so in terms of uh, what you've learned from the time that you've started creating Pime, what's, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned as a founder? Um, and how has that kind of uh, shaped your approach for 2023 as uh, you know, this year opens? That's a good one. That's a, that's a real good one. You're a tough host, Ken. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the biggest lesson I've learned is probably fail faster fail faster to succeed faster. I think there's so many things, especially in the earlier days of Pime, where we've spent way too long trying to, again, I'm a dev, so I've got this entire philosophy in my head of there's, there's this still thing left and we can optimize the code and we can do this and we can, we can make it work better. I think over time I've kind of realized, okay, get it good enough, launch it, take the real feedback from people using it and then fix it and then optimize it and then keep it rating on top of it rather than trying to build out the perfect solution to what may not be the actual solution in the end. Cause when a user touches it, they're like, Oh, this doesn't make sense. This shouldn't be this way. This could be easier this way. So yeah, I think that's the biggest lesson as a founder. I at least have learned. I think uh, as founders, all of us have had different lessons in the last one year, but that's certainly been mine. Fail faster, launch faster. I think that's very good advice. It's almost like the the Facebook thing where uh, Mark Zuckerberg would say, uh, fuck up and break shit. Yeah, 100%. Um, Sisla, do you have any, uh, you always have good questions and insights. Do you have uh, anything you'd like to add or ask, uh, Bilal? Maybe not ask a question, but uh, yeah, definitely glad that uh, you're expanding, you know, into the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, we'll do our best to, you know, help you onboard much faster. Uh, help you onboard more communities and uh, push forward within the ecosystem. And, uh, you know, yeah, we need more uh, people being able to utilize the tech. And, uh, you know, if EVM is one approach, you know, on the other side, if it is one, you have zero, which is Cosmos, uh, in a truly decentralized fashion. Uh, but there are pros and cons to this approach as well, to this architecture, I'll say. And uh, so how do you see the ecosystem, have you explored the ecosystem? Of course, uh, you might have seen some of what we're building with Omniflix, but uh, Cosmos in general, you know, uh, you have Kepler with multiple other chains and so on and so forth. So have you explored the ecosystem and what are your thoughts on it? 
Um, yeah, so I've had a I've had a basic touch to the Cosmos ecosystem. Again, we would again everyone in our team at least had to dip our toes into it, get out of our comfort zone to understand and start building into it. Um, I'm really fascinated by it. It is it is probably one of the best best documented SDKs out there as well, with the least amount of follow up resources alongside. So that's that's always hilarious. It always it always is an indication of you are way too early. And that is amazing. Um, yeah, but also like contrary to your point, it's um, not contrary actually. It's been support of your point. the The only reason the EVM is so widely adopted is because of the fact the EVM is where all of these smart contract concepts starts, and you have these the prog- programmability on chain. So the the first advantage of everyone building on top of that and then people seeing, oh, this doesn't work and I don't believe in this and I want to go and do something else or I want to go and improve upon something else in my own fashion is where all of the other products kind of start from. So there's no pros or cons in that sense to my head. I think we, we'd love to cater to each and every one of them in any, in any project that I do, be it Pime or be anything else. I'd always love to cater to all blockchains because the, the concept of blockchains and what it enables and Web3 as a whole is way bigger of a win that I want to chase rather than how do you just tie yourself in an EVM or uh, how is Cosmos better or vice versa or where does Solana lie or things of that sort. I think those I think those debates are those are the debates you should have probably just ended in 2021. And I think I'm I'm pro for that. Like 2021 end, that's where you should have just left that. And now we're looking at a very interconnected blockchain world as we keep going forward. That's right. 100 uh, percent interoperability you know multi-chain maximalism is like an yeah i mean i mean the ibc like the first time i started so cosmos like most people here i believe would be very familiar with cosmos and the very first time i started reading around about ibc i was mind-boggled i i think i didn't sleep for two days just trying to understand how it all works why and and my biggest question to everything was just why like why? And then I was like, okay. And then I started looking at the products and the ideas and the visions that people have. And I'm like, yes. Okay. And it kind of calmed down and I'm like, okay, this makes so much sense. Until I started working on something and I realized a lot of Cosmos uh, packages that were out there were in Rust. And so if, if someone knows, like, okay, yeah, I'm actually not the best person at Rust. I have an insane hatred for that language. <laughs> Not from the language is really nice. The language is really amazing and beautiful. It's just it goes over my head. I'm such a JS. I'm I'm a JavaScript kid. Like I I was in JavaScript at the age of eight. Uh, so my comfort zone is so much in JavaScript that looking at Rust explodes my head every time. So yeah. So I but finally I've I've kind of started making the transition where I'm getting very comfortable with it at this point, but. Yeah, definitely. Like when I first saw the documentation surrounding it and a lot of it being in Rust, I was like, "Oh God, someone just pick me up!" Just, just no. But yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know the the idea, you know itself, the architecture itself, uh, you know presents a case of uh, you know ethos. There is philosophy in the architecture. You know, if you know what I mean, and uh, you know that has inspired us to do more, you know, participate in the ecosystem more. Definitely, you know, folks here at least are not like, you know, if they're, you know, chain, if they're, a, 
if they are a maximalist for a single chain it is not possible to survive in the cosmos ecosystem i can say that with confidence because you know there are quite a lot of chains and each solve their own problem and uh, yeah definitely you know rust go uh, you have agoric there's a project that's working on smart contracts using javascript so that might be interesting so quite a lot happening in the ecosystem yeah yeah i i also believe like so my first interaction with rust was actually not on cosmos it was in solana which well figures that is where most people first started with it uh especially in the web3 space but this is very very early days before we even kept the name fine we were kind of just figuring out web3 and we were like okay what are we most passionate about what do we want to build and over time we actually started realizing okay we need to go and select a blockchain where we actually start the base from and so at back then i was very pro evm and simon my co-founder was very pro solana and we probably spent close to about 10 days about maybe walking two and a half three hours every day discussing the pros and cons and just going through stuff and yeah in the end i was like i just can't build it like i i love i love solana and i love your vision for it and i understand what everything you're saying but i just can't build on it and yeah it was a it was a catastrophe in those 10 days of what i was trying to build on it and how badly i sucked at it but yeah i'm so gl- i'm so glad there's a lot of progress since then but yeah javascript is definitely home i i'm not i'm not a maximalist to any chain i'm just i'm maybe a js maximalist yeah i i'll take that one on the chin <laughs> yep thank you bilal um yeah but uh, in hindsight i think it worked out well for you you know with uh, starting off with evm then moving on to polygon and you know building within the ecosystem you know capturing attention across ecosystems i see yeah. we have expand raised uh, for a while um, do you have a question or a thought to share yeah uh, first off is it cosmos is an l1 or l0 and then in addition to that um how difficult or what's yeah how difficult would it be you think if somebody wanted to migrate from uh ethereum if they were curious to moving uh say a platform or something over to uh cosmos what would that be yeah i'll i'll take that so you know i'll just start off by saying cosmos is an ideology no i'm just kidding uh it is a network of networks so there are multiple blockchains that are connected using what is called I- ibc interblockchain communication and the networks you know the communication across all these networks these represent what is called the cosmos ecosystem then uh so in this case if you look at say dydx they chose to move to the cosmos ecosystem what they mean by that is they're making sure they build an app chain their own chain l1 uh, using the cosmos technology like the cosmos sdk uh tendermint consensus framework and cosmosm i believe i'm not sure cosmosm is like evm in the cosmos ecosystem and you can deploy contracts that are written in rust so the sum of all these three put together you know they end up uh, creating what is like a cosmos chain i mean you don't have to have cosmosm you can also have you know evm uh, powered in your chain but uh, yeah if you are part of the ecosystem what that means is your sovereign chain is connected using ibc to multiple other chains yeah gotcha that's interesting i guess i'm not 
I thought I knew much about it, but I, apparently I, I don't know as much as I thought I did. So I appreciate that. No problem at all. Well, Chronic, you're not the only one there. Like, Sisla's said things that even have thrown me into a whirlwind right now. So here's a question for you, Sisla. I think the second part of the same question. What would you suggest for someone who would migrate away from Ethereum towards Cosmos? Where do they start? Ah, interesting. I mean, depends on what they're doing. DYDX chose to create their own app chain. We also saw projects that are deploying their contracts on networks like Juno, which already have Cosmosum and they are permissionless in their nature. Uh, then we've seen projects move across from, say, the Terra ecosystem uh, onto Osmosis, again, Juno, multiple other chains, I'll say, in the ecosystem. It is not like, uh, you know, they need to create their own chain to be a part of the ecosystem, but uh, based on their problem statement and what they are doing, you know, it is, it is easy enough to build a chain, but of course, uh, the operations after that, you know, are the ones that are difficult, you know, in being able to attract validators, maintain, you know, incentives across every stakeholder and so on and so forth. So, yeah, depending on the problem statement, if you don't want to deal with validators, there are multiple ways. You can apply contracts or you can have what is ICS, uh, that is chain security, where multiple chains security secure your network. So that's a beautiful concept, <laughs> Bilal. Uh, technolo from a technology architecture standpoint, we were like mind boggled. This was in 2018 when we discovered Cosmos. Like, like how we were researching Tron, EOS, Polkadot. You know, we were researching Cosmos in the same breath, like in the same flow. And as soon as we saw Cosmos, it was like a different, you know, it was a different architecture. It had an ethos, as I said earlier. And, you know, the philosophy is amazing. You know, sovereignty is the way to go. And here you can, you need not depend on another L1. You can choose to be your own L1 and solve a small problem and yet not stay isolated on an island, right? So that's the beauty that uh, the technology stack offers, yeah. That makes a lot of sense because I think every time I've thought about it or I've thought about Cosmos, the biggest thing in my head is how do you go and get those initial validators to go and kickstart everything, right? And especially if you if you want to go out and build something massive and you want to you want it to be decentralized, you want to have the attractiveness of validators from day one to start being able to offer it. But that makes so much sense. Yeah. Thanks for that. No problem at all. I mean anytime. <laughs> especially to talk about cosmos, anytime. Yeah. But uh over yeah. And yeah, sir. Sorry? Yeah, and uh, here there is a one more important thing. Like uh, where we where, where we have a twofold. If the business is big enough, like suppose if the community is big enough, which they think they need on their their own blockchain, they can have their own blockchain. But if the let's say if the the use case or anything is very small, which doesn't need any any blockchain in and in and itself, they can be they they can choose to be a smart contract or they can choose to be some some DAO or anything. So, I mean, it allows both of them to coexist uh, in more efficient way. Yep, that's right. Uh, everything in harmony. Yeah, Chronic, you unmuted your mic. Did that was just a bit, this is the true definition of chain agnostic, right? 100%. I mean, interoperability allows you to, you know, it, you don't need to focus on a single chain. You can focus on the problem statement, end of the day. So, yeah. 
Ken? Still with us? Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, but uh, I know it's uh, shortly after 3 a.m. I believe uh, where you are. So I'll um, I'll get you off here in you know, a couple of minutes. I just have a couple more questions for you to wrap it up. And, Absolutely, uh, no worries at all. I mean, take all the time, night owl hair. So it's all good. Beautiful. Well, in, in that case, I'll throw it out to the community again to see if anybody else has any questions they'd like to come up and ask you about Pime and uh, your new integration into the cosmos. Now. I, I don't know, uh, I'm not an expert in terms of the Polygon chain, uh, but I know there is quite a bit of activity in the, in the NFT space on Polygon. Um, now, ha- has there been, uh, is this like the first collaboration where it's a direct creative collaboration between uh, you know, uh, Polygon and uh, Cosmos space chain? Um, I would actually like to think that that might be the case. I'm not aware if there are any other I'm not aware if there's anyone else who's done it so far. Um, I've actually even not thought of it, but I might do my research after this on if there is anyone else. But I believe it might not be the case. I believe this might be the first one. I think I think it might be as well. Sisla, have you, uh, are there any other projects that you're aware of that uh, have that have uh, partnered with or collaborated with the Polygon, Polygon chain in the Cosmos? I'm not sure in this specific format, but I know of apps that have integrated you know, Polygon as well as, uh, you know, Cosmos, Kepler. Yeah, I'm, into- I'm aware of that. I'm aware of, like, generally, generally it exists, generally it exists Bridges. to a good scale, but not in, I, I don't think in, in terms of, like, a marketing platform or tooling format, like, the or at least the product offering we do. I, I don't think there's anyone else who's done it in that sense. Yeah, that's right, right? I mean, this stack, uh, like, your positioning, yeah, here, there's no one that has done it. Yeah. I mean, we were, when we did it in, like, 2020 out of 2020 when Kepler just launched. Uh, sorry, 2020 we launched Omniflix TV. We were one of the very few apps that supported both Cosmos and Polygon. By then, we didn't even have Polygon Studios. You know, they were like, yeah, reorganizing the corporate structure. That was that time. And after that, few DeFi apps were there, but not in the community side. So, yeah, we are definitely, you know, this integration is definitely one of the very few. No, I think it'll be really exciting to see um, you know, what other fun things are in the in the bag of of tricks for Cosmos and Polygon in the uh, months and we, uh, months and years ahead. Yeah, um, I'm actually looking forward to it because during our during our homework, and especially when we committed to you guys on how we'll start bringing in Cosmos, the very first thing was going to your homework on who's done it, and I I think aside for DeFi use cases. I wasn't able to find many that were out of the, at least out out of like directly Omniflix or other ecosystems. It was very much a DeFi use case. There wasn't much more of any other secondary or tertiary utility that I could find. Uh, no, where does the name Pime come from? Uh, how did you guys settle on that name? Okay. Take a guess on it. I'll, I'll let you take, I'll play the guessing game with it. How do you think we may have come across it? Huh. You're putting me on the spot now. Um, <laughs> um, how did you come up with it? Uh, something having to do with time, uh, personal time, personalized, uh, uh, no, 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 I, I wish you were that creative. Uh, no. So we knew we wanted to come up with a name and we're kind of trying and scratching our heads for like 15 minutes. So. 
I found some random AI name generator and I gave it a bunch of different languages and I also gave it a bunch of different vibes and and then it just started spewing out like a list of 50 names and one of them just was Pime. And Pime in Spanish means small and medium-sized enterprises. So we were like, okay, there's a good ring, there's a good ring to it that likely is going to be our catering audience especially with the work management platform and everything we're like okay fine done settled and that's how we came across it a bunch of keywords and ai helping us do it that's that's an interesting way of doing it uh not a, not a it's way easier than uh than just like uh racking your brain because it, it takes the uh the personal aspect out of it because i know when i'm trying to think of a name for something it, it, it like will rack my brain until i come up with something that I think is like suitable, but doing it that way kind of takes the personal uh, pull towards it. And then you see something that stands out to you and it's probably a whole lot easier to, to settle on something because you don't have a personal attachment to it off the bat. Yeah. He else uh, suggested it to you and you just pick in the best one that uh, out of that. And that's, yeah. uh, and you kind of roll with it. And that's, I think that's much more efficient than, uh, than the other way. I think it's the it's the only naming win I have under my belt. I think I've tried this approach so many times where we'll, we'll sit across and I'm just going through stuff and I'm like, okay, how do you name something? And I get tired after a while and I'm like, I, can't, I just can't come with something creative which rings or which kind of just connects or just hits you. And this is the one time it did and I'm so glad it did. So yeah, one, one naming win, but a, but a good scale of win on it at least. Uh, and can you explain your vision on the discovery side of the platform, like where you um, expect that to go and what your, uh, you know, what your vision is for it as it evolves this year? Um, as it evolves and certainly within the months to come, we want discovery to be the very first place where companies and projects that are just launching or intend to launch or have some sort of a product offering towards the general ecosystem and space start coming up and listing themselves and start getting start being in front of an audience that's that's the core goal of it um how do we get more and more projects in front of our audience how do we then grow our audience how do we grow pime alongside as well um but yeah it's it's very much meant to be how do you create the discovery of web3 because i don't see anyone else who's really nailed it at the moment and it's kind of a real pain when you have these new projects who are starting and launching but just get lost in all the noise on twitter and you just can't beat up to the point you put a hashtag NFT on a post and you get botted to hell. You have run, you put something Web3 in it and you'd have all people shilling underneath you. How do you get away from the noise, get in front of an audience which actually is very involved in Web3? And how do you do it in an effortless manner? I think that's, that's the key goal of discovery. Nothing more. How do you, how do you get more projects to an audience which is dedicated to the space? So is Pyme a permissionless platform or is there a curation that, uh, that's involved? We do do some sort of moderation on it because at the moment, as you know, you have the ability for anyone to come in and list a, like anyone can come in and say, I'm going to create an account on Pyme and this is my company. So we do go for verification on it. So if you claim your OpenSea, well, I'm definitely going to check in with OpenSea. Is it OpenSea or not? So we do do a review process. But there's nothing more than that. There's no sort of uh, any other sort of review process in place other than just verifying that the company that likely is registering and coming on board is them themselves and not someone else. 
Understood. Understood. Um, so now if I'm a creator and I've now launched my, you know, fifth campaign and now I, I feel like I'm running out of, um, you know, quests to do, um, what do you suggest to a creator um, that has already gotten their followers, you know, uh, people to follow their account and people to, um, you know, to join their discord and now they're kind of wondering, where do I go from here? Uh, how would you address that? I think uh, in that case, like, in that case, I would always say that the first part of what they consider is done is just the acquisition side, right? So you've acquired a user. The, the, the user acquisition side, I think, is always easier. I think the bigger challenge, especially that individuals who don't have massive teams backing them or small projects will have, is retention. The, the biggest, uh, the blessing and also the curse of having a lot of followers or having a lot of people in your Discord is those people are looking out for announcements. They're looking out for activities. They're looking out for attention. They want content rolling out. So the focus then surely has to go away from how do you go and run an acquisition campaign every time to how do you actually start creating value within the users that you've retained and acquired now? So how do you create more retention? How do you create activities for them? And then certainly towards what other interesting projects or something on your roadmap that you're working towards and again, then it becomes a focus towards that. That's what I would say. Hey, uh, and I have a small add-on here. Yeah, Bilal, what are some of the most uh, interesting engagement or retention campaigns that you saw on Prime? Some of the most creative uh, that you guys didn't think of, but they pulled it off. You know, something like that. Uh, yeah, I think the that's a really good one. I think the the in this case it's Gods Unchained. So when we partnered with Immutable for Gods Unchained, it was a very first, and their campaign was quite lengthy. So that to date is the biggest campaign in terms of activities in under one quest that a user needed to complete, and that I in many ways when I was building it I was very afraid of that campaign. My 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 assumption would be the word. My assumption was that it is going to be very difficult. There are too many steps involved in the process. However, there was no other way we would see at that time, at least, on how we could structure it better, especially for how they wanted it to be done as well. And yeah, we we signed it off. We got it live, and I was kind of in shock, looking at how many people actually did it. It was. I believe, so the campaign involved socials, the campaign also involved downloading and playing the game. It also involved actually then going up and acquiring an NFT from their collection and adding it, adding that. And to get an NFT on your collection, you actually had to have Ethon IMX. And it was a lengthy one. I, I, I think in the future, we'll structure it way better. We break it down and we help users go through the journey easier. But... I would say by, the campaign was supposed to be for a thousand people and but they had a second campaign which was pretty much the same on better incentives so we had to kill it but we had about 890 people do it during the duration of the campaign which was mm, insane which which in my head I was very much afraid of all the time but yeah and in the future campaigns that we've run we've even gone higher up on how we've helped them go from like better processes in the future and the numbers have also gone along with it. So they see the value in it. We see the massive value in it. But it was one of the experiments that 
we knew it was a very big risk we were taking putting out a campaign which was so big uh in the future we'd always divide it across and make it easier for people to follow along but it worked and yeah that that was awesome that was one of the best things we saw amazing and uh, yeah i know the builders anxiety you know when you when you launch something you know you're 90% unsure because you know you feel like you covered all the cases but there's always this anxiety and uh, yeah and it's great so one follow up question here so did you also integrate with the game itself so if someone played the game did prime already know that they played the game or how was it structured so in their case we actually had some apis provided so that's that's one of the things at prime as well for most of the campaigns that are outside of the traditional either blockchain transactions or something else which we need to track we're always open to the idea of integrating custom for all clients and in that case that was a case where we integrated into apis provided by them so we were able to track as a user was signing up and you couldn't play the game without downloading it so that kind of took care of itself but when a user completed a match getting those data points across having the confirmation on it all of that actually just started off from the apis that we were we were able to get from the team perfect so is this how we can assume omniflix tv also will be integrated where we provide you know information on whether a user or not whether a user has participated in a campaign or not and you I, know, yeah, I think there's different scales to it i think omniflix with you uh, with you have two sides to the equation right you've also got the on chain and so when its activity is on chain that's a lot easier because you build it once and you build it to scale across all sorts of use cases um in other specific cases where apis apis are always our last resort we always try to because apis are just locked in into one one company or one client again we don't shy away from it but if there are even a bit more painful ways but scalable ways to all other companies we definitely try to put dev time towards that got it uh thank you bilal i see lego up here so lego do you have a question to ask or a thought to share uh, yes um i sorry i missed your your entire presentation to join late now as i was driving my computer and i'm looking up on your website and i'm just starting to uh grasp what you're doing and it looks to me like your your, your service caters to projects and um more like the marketing similar to uh something like quest and galaxy and crew 3 right would you say yeah i uh, that's that's very fair that's very kind of all in the same space yeah okay and so, so okay I, i understand now thank you very much um I, i'm signing up right now too and i see there's a quest for omniflix too so i'll try that thank you that's all i have hell yeah awesome appreciate that so now i guess uh last question wrapping up um what would you say is your uh what you're most excited about for the collaboration with omniflix in general um and also for pime uh as the you know as the year begins what's your top goal for pime for 20 uh, 2013 or jesus 2020 2023 um yeah good questions um in terms of omniflix i am i really don't have a like a plan thing in my head i think the i think the best part about it is like you guys work at a phenomenal pace so do we we come up with some crazy ideas so i'm really excited to go and start implementing on those uh, those crazy ideas 
and how do we see because I because I, I believe like and this is maybe I'm completely wrong and maybe I'm out of my depth saying it but the way we the way we are all working is we change our plans pretty fast and then we try executing on them at the fastest so I'm I'm really hoping that stays the same and we scale it even better uh, so really excited on that one uh, I think certainly having a lot of creators come on board and use Pime to start getting a lot more people involved with their content would be really amazing. Uh, I think that would be, that would be a good experiment, be a good learning curve for certainly all of us on how do we start bringing them value because I think that would be very first for us as well. But we're so looking forward to exploring that. And as Pime itself, I think we're super, super excited on how do we bring a lot more of tooling and product offering for everyone in in a chain agnostic manner we're building a lot of tools like can you have access to the the dashboard side so you've seen there's a lot of coming soons right now and we want those coming soons to disappear and live products to replace them so that's certainly going to be one of the biggest challenges and focuses of this year no we're really excited for what you're uh what you guys are building um uh, it's definitely something that uh, you know, Sisla will attest to. I've been very, um, very, you know, strongly advocating for a platform like this for a while. And when we came across you guys, you know, there was just something different about the way that you guys operated. Um, but I, I know something like this is something that'll be very, very helpful to, especially new creators that don't have a community around them. You know, and they have a great idea that they want to, that they want to, you know, make an actionable uh, dent in creating. And now there's, you know, they don't have to wonder how am I going to build my community anymore. They, they, they have, uh, you know, a tool in place where they can, you know, where seamlessly they can go in and create uh, opportunities for people to support their project and and help them grow. And uh, I think that's going to be a very instrumental piece for creators as they launch on Omniflix and as they, um, you know, build and and continue to grow their their first idea and their fifth idea on Omniflix. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. I'm really stoked about that one as well. Um, yeah, and can't wait to see some like some creators and communities come through. And yeah, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be really exciting. That's gonna be one of the most exciting and chaotic phases. But I'm so happy and looking forward to it. Well, we've got Manny, one of our uh, Flix fanatics here, and um, yeah, I know they're uh, gonna be this week working with our creators to get them onboarded and uh, get them set up with their. Um, with their Pime points to go ahead and start creating campaigns on Pime. Um, yeah. And also quickly touch on the the Pime points and how they'll be converting into tokens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at the moment, Pime does not have a token, but we do have an intent to have a token in Q2, Q3 of this year. Um, just the, the build and how, how much we've had to change across time is what has been pushing it forward and certainly the market has not helped us in that. But the, the token launch is definite for this year. We're very excited about that. At the moment, each and every campaign that you complete on Pime gets you incentives and some sort of Pime points. And these Pime points would then be converted on a one-to-one -one value to the token. So each and every point would be directly equal to one token. And we're very excited about that. We'll We'll be we'll be discussing a lot about it certainly as we plan out and see all the things around it. But we're super excited about it. How and that will create a real true circular economy for all the all the users that we have today and all the communities we have today. 
on how the the token is then able to transition into direct financial value as well so super excited about that one and yeah that's that's to be expected in this year so with the so that'll be i imagine launching on uh, on the polygon chain right we've not decided on which chain do we lock it into so far so yeah. we're we're kind of exploring our options still there again uh, i think originally when we did start pine we we launched it on Polygon because Polygon just seemed accessible. Polygon still is accessible today, but we're not definitely locked in into it. So yeah, I'm I'm not certainly gonna say that it's just Polygon. We were playing around with options, but we'll make sure that we can actually we'll make sure to launch it on a on a chain that still keeps it accessible for Pime as like as a protocol or elsewise to be very affordable in terms of transactions and and also at the same time accessible to everyone. So yeah, and also, uh, can you also just touch on the uh, the cost, uh, you know, the the revenue model or the cost the the cost that comes along with uh, creating a campaign on Pime? So at the moment, uh, at the moment, campaigns are all paid for in Pime points. Uh, as a, as a content creator or as a community coming onto Pime, you can either buy Pime points or you can actually even get those Pime points from our users supporting you by being listed on Discovery. Um, at the moment, if I believe it's 2450 Pine Points at a minimum that you need to pay for setting up a campaign alongside whatever Pine Points that you would actually give out to users for completing your campaigns. So, and those are directly given to the users as, a, as an incentive for doing all the actions that you want them to complete. And yeah, that, that's the revenue for model for right now. Certainly, it's something we're still exploring around with, and yeah, but that's that's how it stands today. So, if I want to launch a campaign, uh, and I just want to, you know, I want to just get a campaign out there, um, how much would it cost me to do that uh, if I didn't have any pine points and I was starting from scratch? So, I think on a dollar value, that becomes at least, I think, close to about at least it's it's at least fifty bucks just in terms of platform cost. And then it's depending on how many users you want. It's uh, it's a minimum of ten pine points a user, so that's about twenty cents. So twenty cents a user to to launch a campaign. Yeah, twenty cents okay. a user plus plus forty nine bucks. Um, but certainly, if you are if you are on discovery, our community is always very eager to see projects coming through. So there's a lot of pine points that they contribute willingly towards the companies and projects. And if you're looking to do something large scale, just reach out and we'll be more than happy to assist you with that in what is more favorable. Because I know that at, at on, on a large scale or if you are planning to do a lot of campaigns, that might become a bit pricey. So we're more than happy to kick you off towards other plans or other pricing models where we can actually deliver you a lot more value rather than you paying 50 bucks for each and every campaign and then the user incentives on top, how, how we can kind of reduce that pricing a lot more and also give you a lot more accessibility to us as a team and help you along on a lot of other things. Thank you very much for that. And uh, it's been a absolute pleasure both working with you and both um, and, and learning about, you know, how you guys started and you know, what your goals are for the year. I hope everybody here got a, um, uh, an, an opportunity to learn about Pime and see how it can fit in with their project and what they're trying to build. Uh, we, we've really 
you know, enjoyed working with you guys and we look forward to working with you guys for um, hopefully many years to come. So if there's anything else that you'd like to add before uh, we close it out or Cecil, if anything else that you'd like to add as well, um, now is the time, gentlemen. Can I leave one last comment? Absolutely. I, absolutely. I, I do a lot of quests um, on the um, Galaxy and the quest in which each mission you complete, you get to mint an NFT. Yeah. And it's on most on optimism layer two, so gas fee is relatively cheap compared to mainnet, but it still costs about ten to fifteen cent for each NFT. Um, over time, it adds up a lot, and especially if you have a lot of wallets, you want to do a lot of those things. It adds up a lot, but I find that Matic is probably the uh, uh, Polygon is probably the cheapest gas fee. So in, in your quest to uh, decide on a platform to go on chain, I'd, I'd say Poly Polygon. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, so at the moment, uh, the direct offering on NFTs, and especially like as Prime is today, they, there's campaigns on Prime even today that get you NFTs and you can do them. And certainly right now, we've left it on the creators if they want to do NFTs. And in, in cases, if you want to give out an NFT to each and every user, or maybe it's just a giveaway to a few, uh, as long as you're minting them through Prime, those are at the moment on Polygon. And we cover all gas fees for it and the distribution for it. And Polygon just seems to work well there, uh, considering it's still, especially for how we were in EVM, it was a, it was a lot more mainstream than optimism in NFTs, and was very gas effective for us. Hopefully that answered your question, sir. Excellent. Um, well, Bilal, I'll leave it open to you to um, share any final thoughts that you'd like to share. Um, otherwise, I will say thank you so much for joining us at 3.30 a.m. Uh, your time. <laughs> uh, no, thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate it. Tesla as well. Thank you for all your time. And yeah, really, really looking forward to where we take the collaboration and the partnership between us. Uh, certainly, there's so much work that's still left. I'm looking forward to this as not for like weeks or days, but the years to come. Um, so that's that's really something that I'm really excited about. Thank you so much for the Twitter space. And also for how helpful you've been throughout the entire process, I think it's uh, it's wonderful. It's really it's really setting up the the initial foundations of how we continue to co collaborate and work together. Uh, we're really excited for Flix Fanatics and all your creators to join on board as well and help them assist them in the marketing campaigns and how do we also scale across our our experiences our our experience in general and our understanding of the space in our community to help them succeed and how do we create the success stories within Cosmos and Omniflix as well. So really excited about that. So thank you so much. The, the mutual. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I think Cicela lost his uh, ability to uh, communicate with us on here uh, and he didn't want to have us get rugged. So uh, he also thanks you as well for your time and for your, um, you know, your heart, your efforts and your resources that you've uh, dedicated to making this happen for us. Um, and we, you know, we, we really appreciate it. Likewise. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your weekend and uh, thank you everybody for joining us on in the spotlight. This has been in the spotlight with Pime. Go check out Pime, claim some rewards, launch a campaign. If you're part of the OmniFlix community, just reach out to myself or um, you know, any of our Flix fanatics. And we'll get you set up with the uh, invite code to make you a part of the OmniFlix family on Pime. And we look forward to rolling this out to our community over the course of this week. Awesome. Thank you everyone for joining in. 
Have a great night, everybody, or, or morning or day, you know, whatever time zone it is for you guys uh, this time of day. Take care, everybody. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was In the Spotlight with Pime, Growth Hacking as a Service on Cosmos. Hosted by Omniflix Network, recorded on Saturday, January 7th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support. When I'm ripping and rapping, I ain't picking the bastards who be tricking the masses into getting their asses kicked. Feels like I've been getting my masters. Fuck a pump and double like the income that's passive. Raise up the bar before I fly right past it. I'll be writing rhymes till they put me in a casket. Old man shit, put the lotion on its skin. Then put that shit back in the damn basket like Buffalo Bill, the way I'm ruffling feathers. Snuffing out debt, cut the heads off collectors. Keep a couple heads in a jar as keepsakes. And take the rest and turn them into free Upgrade the feelings, supply the free base Looking all professional, tools in the briefcase Running on empty from gassing up my teammates First one down, let me know how that sleep tastes impossible defending the plausible from end to demonstrable the mission isn't even worried about the clearance running interference till our enemies fear us we're only one disappearance away from a bad day everybody trying to save face on the last day feeling fancy about to pull out the mass eh? drop the eight ball in passing that's so passe i'm getting nasty you cannot put it past me a mix between blasphemy and tuck everlasting feeling like a masterpiece looking like a tragedy trying to get through another day full of savagery getting headstrong from working in the mess hall all hands on deck waiting for our next haul i need the rest got big plans to eject so feed the grass and keep off the kleenex i am interested in magic because i am fascinated with psychology i love to learn about how people make inferences how they draw conclusions and find patterns and information and in particular i'm interested in all that can go wrong uh, how an individual can be led astray by certain cognitive vulnerabilities are exploited. Terrible spaces.